Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing an old hymn of the church this morning. Oh, I want to see him. Let's worship the Lord this morning.
all. We love you, Lord. We're going to ask the ushers to come at this time. Take up this morning's tithes and offerings this morning. Let's bow for prayer. Eternal Father, Lord, we just love you today. God, you are so great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we already sent your presence in this house. We have felt you in the Sunday school hour. We have felt you, Lord, even from the beginning of this service, starting for morning worship. God, we ask that your presence would just invade this place and saturate this place. Meet us today. God, let every note that's played, song that is sung, Lord, message that is given, be for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And Father, as we continue worshiping with our tithes and our offerings, I pray you bless the gift of the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that don't. And if there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever reason, I pray, God, that at some point you would bless them. That they would be able to give back to show how much they love and are truly devoted to you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Together, the people of God said, Amen. 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 Will you greet one another during this time in the Lord? Good morning. Everybody glad to be here? How many people were here from Sunday School lesson this morning? All right. I told uh, somebody a little bit after the lesson, I said, you know, the Lord would have to be in it if I was going to start being, raising a family at 84. So uh, start following the genealogy of Jacob when he went, had Leah and started a family, he was 84, which means.
kids through. He was a hundred and something. It's a whole lot of youngins. And I'm just glad the Lord didn't call me to have however many youngins. Twelve plus the girl, thirteen. Of course, that's the only girl mentioned. There may have been more. But you know what? There's a blessedness in trusting God. Jacob trusted God. God led him out of danger. Led him to a land of milk and honey. That led him to benefits for his family. And continued to bless him. So, Psalm 146, it's called the blessedness of trusting God. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not trust Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looseth the prisoners. Lord, open the eyes of the blind. He raiseth them which are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turned upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. We've had a lot of people that are sick. A lot of people facing surgery. A lot of people working and traveling. A lot of people have needs. I'd like to remember all of them this morning. When you're praying, lift them up. You don't have to necessarily know their name, the fact that they're in need. Just be with them and keep them. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, we lift you up this morning and thank you for your many blessings that you have given us. Lord, the things that we did not deserve, salvation, Lord, that is bestowed upon us by grace we thank you and praise you for it lord the fact that you have blessed us with this nice facility with a great pastor lord with the opportunity to come and worship together we thank you lord for everything that you have given us the wherewithal to be able to help others the wherewithal to be able to take care of our family we thank you lord even for those times that it's hard we thank you because you pulled us through the pray that you'll touch those that are sick this morning touch those that are having to work touch those that are traveling Lord, you know the need. Keep your angels round about them and lift them up and strengthen them. Continue to abide with us. Give our pastor the word you would have him to hear say this morning that we can hear it and use it for thy glory this coming week. For we ask all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Worship with me as I sing this morning. I bowed on my knees and cried holy. I dreamed of a city called glory, so bright and so fair. When I entered that gate, I cried, holy, 
all over the house this morning. Let's continue to worship the Lord this morning. We're going to uplift the name of Jesus today, so let's continue to worship the Lord today.
this course with me together.
Father, our prayer today is that your presence would truly fill this place. Father, I pray today that as we get ready to, in just a moment, to break the bread of life. God, I pray today that every man, woman, boy, or girl, under the sound of my voice today, will have felt like they've been in the presence of the Lord. Lord, falling in love with you is truly the best thing we could have ever done. Having a relationship with you truly is the best thing we've ever done. Walking with you hand in hand truly was the best decision we've ever done. When we submitted our lives into your care and have walked on this spiritual journey, whether it is for a day or for the majority of our lives, it was truly the best thing we've ever done. And Father, as we get ready to, to preach and to teach and to study your word, let it illuminate off the page. Let it become life-changing and relevant. And Lord, let it change the heart of the believer. Let it chastise the heart of the sinner. And let it, God, accomplish a task that only God can get the credit for today. Father, I thank you for the worship that has been offered up in this house. I believe it has been a sweet aroma and incense into the holy throne room of God. And I pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people that have been offered up. And now, God, you would rend the heavens and come down. And confirm yourself in this place today. Father, we're going to believe this and pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to go back to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 1. And then we're going to jump over into Colossians chapter number 3. While you're turning there, let me... Um, just let you know there'll be a sign-up sheet out back or whatever but we have some church hats that we're um, are making available they are they are, to be, you are available to be purchased they can be in different colors they don't have to be just in navy blue um, but they have the leather patch that has our information on it and uh, I've had quite a few I've wore this one out in town a couple times and have got quite a lot of feedback on how you get your hat from I said the church and uh and they were very uh, in, you know, curious about it. But there will be more information. You can get that should you want it. But uh, they are very nice. They wear very well. And, uh, and we can have those made in any color. Uh, somebody asked me, do you think you can make it in camo? I think I got a shot at making it even in camouflage. So um, we can get your color uh, made for you. But please make sure that you uh, sign up if you're interested so we can get those ordered and uh, have them at uh, an appropriate time. Uh, while you're also turning, let me just quickly uh, just make a, uh, a very, very few um, uh, housekeeping items uh, that we want you to make aware of. Obviously, you know the routine when it comes to our children and picking up your children and all the stuff that that ensues um, to do so. But uh, make sure that you do remember, uh, if you haven't picked up a church calendar uh, from the month of September, that you do so. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we've got the Pillars Breakfast coming up on uh, Saturday. Uh, this time we're going to go to Hardee's uh, just to change it up a little bit. Don't worry, we'll get back to Little Pappy's and all those places. But we're going to go to Hardee's uh, and change it up a little bit just, just because the other day I passed by Hardee's and it smelled good, so I figured we should go sometime. And uh, so we're going to go to Hardee's uh, for breakfast uh, next Sunday night. Uh, it actually should be the 24th and not the 23rd. We have snack night like always. Uh, next Sunday morning, right after church for about five minutes, we want to give you our annual uh, financial report. We do this every year in September. We tell you from the church years, from the previous church year, 
how we did financially. It'll take about five minutes. We'll literally have the report read to you. We'll have you have the opportunity to ask questions, debate it, and accept it, and we move forward with that. So that'll be coming up October, the first week of October. We'll be running uh, PD camp meeting will be coming up. Uh, they have speakers all lined up. Uh, Sister Ann and Sister Patricia and others have been working on a community yard sale that they're going to host here. I think they're going to have food and other things involved with all of that. And we're already collecting candy for Family Fest 2023, uh, which is October the 29th. So bring your candy. We'll have a bucket out there. Go ahead and start buying it. When you see it go on sale, it can be outdated. Just don't tell us. Just bring it. The kids will eat it. They eat them all anyway. Uh, I think I still got a couple bags left from last year. We'll just siphon them in there too. So. But, uh, but we want to make sure we have plenty of candy for the kids uh, that night. So to make sure you uh, are aware of all that. And then finally, just make sure if you haven't already know, know about it, we do have prayer at 10 a.m. on Wednesday mornings here in this building and also at 530 in the afternoons. And so if you can come any part of that day at 10 a.m. or at 530 p.m., uh, you can come and be a part of our prayer ministry. We are believing God to do some great and mighty things. We've already seen them do some great things already through that. And so we're going to... Believe God for that, and uh, ladies and men, please don't forget to give us those final forms that you want so we can launch the men and the women's ministries. All the other information uh, is on our church website. You can go and find that. If you have expressed interest in membership or joining the church, uh, make sure uh, next Sunday uh, after our business meeting, I'm going to give you the information you need for us to move you forward so that we can present you to this church and, uh, and get you ready to be a part of our family here. We've been on a journey called the inheritance of talking about what heaven will be like and what are the things that await us over there. So today we're going to continue with that. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 and then we'll jump into Colossians chapter 3 again. Paul talking to the church at Colossae and talking about the preeminence of Jesus Christ and he's talking about the glory of Christ. He says these words, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. We couldn't get the inheritance. We didn't earn it. We were given it. We didn't, we didn't do anything to deserve it. Colossians 3, this is what he tells them in Colossians 3 and 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Unto God, not men. Whatever you do, you do it for God. You clean the church, do it for God. You change the sign, do it for God. You, you do the media, you do it for God. You sing on the praise team, you do it for God. You play in the band, you do it for God. You, you cut the grass, you do it for God. Not for men to tell you how awesome you are. You do it because you love Jesus. Well, how, why do you do that? Knowing that from the Lord, not from the guy, not from the man, knowing it is from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You could clean the church, change the sign, sing on the praise team, cut the grass, whatever. And you may get disappointed when the pastor doesn't put you on social media and tell everybody how wonderful you are because you do that every week. But you weren't doing it for me. You were doing it for the Lord because I can't reward you. I can tell you thank you and maybe give you a $25 gift card to Cracker Barrel, but that is nothing compared to what God can give you when you work for Him. I don't have enough money in the bank to reward you like God can. Knowing that it is from the Lord, not from the pastor, not from the church, not from the deacon board. Knowing it's from the Lord, you will receive your rewards. 
inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, I pray right now, God, that you would speak to our hearts in this place. I pray you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary and let your words be heard and word be spoken, not mine. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes, hearts, and ears to hear what thus saith Almighty God. Father, I thank you, God, that you, we have already felt you in this place and know you are in this place. And Father, we ask that, God, you would continue to go forth with us. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated, if you can, in the presence of the Lord. While you're seated, we want to make sure as we continue to pray, uh, continue to pray. Miss Glendale's not able to be with us today. I'm sure you noticed she's not with us today uh, because she is not feeling, she wasn't feeling too good this morning, and she's trying to recover, make sure that, that she doesn't um, have any other you know, major issues. And also, Brother Jeff had to slip out this morning due to some car issues that he's got to get addressed. And so I told him we would pray that there would be no hiccups with all of that as well. So lots of folks have stuff going on that are not here and others that are not here not sure exactly why, but we're going to believe God for them as well. Got to touch them. We started a journey last week talking about the Tupperware turmoil and the meat fork mayhem of what it means to have to go through inheritance, what it means to have to go through mama's stuff, what it means to have to go through the house when it comes time. We talk about the Greek word kleronimeo, uh, which literally means the passing of, of, of wealth or inheritance or giving someone, if you will, the ability to, to take the role of the, the, the deceased in, in terms of the hierarchy and the family. We talk about that there's a requirement. You just don't, you just can't walk into somebody else's house and say, you know what, I think I want some of that stuff when grandmama dies if you are not connected to grandmama. You know, if somebody dies and you read their obituary in the paper, you can't go to their house and start laying claim on their, their stuff because you don't have the right requirements to that. You don't have, the, the, if you will, the jurisdiction to do so. And we talked about how that the Lord has given us the right to be called children of God through the work of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about briefly, and this is where we'll pick up today, we begin to start talking about, but there's a level of responsibility. Just because you're in the will doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to execute what's in the will. And the reality of it is God has a will and a testament. In fact, he's got an Old Testament and he's got a New Testament. And all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, he tells us his will. So God has a will and a testament. God has two types of wills. God has a perfect will. That's the will God had designed. That's the, the, the I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future. That's the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God was to have a chosen people, a royal generation, a royal priesthood that he could call his own. That's God's perfect will. God's perfect will was for Israel to be connected to him and have nobody else to be in charge. But mankind doesn't always like the perfect will of God, so God had to create what he calls the permissive will of God. That is where it wasn't God's necessarily perfected will, but he allows us to change the narrative. Israel said, everybody else has a king, so we want a king. That wasn't God's perfect will, but God allowed them to have what they wanted. He said, they're going to take your sons and put them in war, and they're going to die. They're going to take your daughters and marry them off to foreign other entities. And they said, that's okay. We want to be protected. And so God let them. And the turmoil that Israel went through because they didn't stay in the perfect will of God, they walked in the permissive will of God. Can 
I tell you this morning, we are the same breed. We are like the, if you will, the spiritual version of Israel. The Apostle Paul told us that there is neither Greek nor, nor Hebrew. There's neither slave nor free man. We are all now one under Jesus Christ, which literally means to me that I need to learn from these principles. God sometimes will allow me to do it my way, but I may regret doing it my way because I didn't follow the perfect will of God. Just because God says I have the right to have a mansion and and, and have a, a home prepared for me in glory, just because God says I have access to streets of gold and gates of pearl doesn't mean I'm going to get it unless I follow the responsibility and requirements. And it's my responsibility. Jesus already paid the price. Jesus already built the mansion. Jesus already had the construction of heaven done. But it's my responsibility to humble myself and pray and turn from my wicked ways and seek his face then will he hear from heaven and forgive my sin and heal the land I have a responsibility to be able to get the inheritance God has for me he's already given the he's already made it available but just because it's available doesn't mean I don't have to do something to receive it in order to receive from him I first have to submit to him. In order to receive that promise, I have to realize I was nothing until he found me. The old song says, I was nothing until you found me. Broken lies you know, and ruined lies are, are all you know, before his eyes. But I was nothing, church. You were nothing. We were nothing until Jesus found us. The prophet Isaiah described it this. He said, the best I could do, the righteousness that I could bring to a holy and a reverent God were as filthy rags or garments before the Lord. That word in the original Hebrew was like uh, when you look at the uh, Levitical law where the ladies would end up going through their cycle or their time of the month and they would be ostracized for that time period of ceremonial and cleansing. That word literally means during the time of menstruation that our best ability to be righteous before God was in, in essence that was filthy before God or unclean before God but the precious blood of Jesus was a whole lot better than the blood I shed down here because when the perfect lamb of God shed his blood he transformed us according to the apostle Paul in Corinthians he gave us his righteousness so that we might be called the sons of God it's not what I've done it's not it's by faith not by works lest any man should boast I can't earn it I can't obtain it I can't buy it I can't pay for it but if I'm willing to say Lord let my pride stay aside and I submit to you then I have access to everything heaven has to offer me I can't afford it I could win the lottery the mega millions lottery I could walk up to heaven and I could say God I have 328 billion dollars and he's going to say great I have a cattle on a thousand hills what does that compare to yours a man who can have streets of gold ain't worried about my $20 bill to try to buy my way in you see the Bible tells us he's a God of unlimited resources my money does nothing in fact my currency down here is not the same currency over there my money can't buy nothing on that in that city there is no foreign exchange office that can trade the currency of the US dollar to what heaven has to offer you can't exchange it in fact, the currency of the exchange, if you will, the exchange rate of heaven is better than the exchange rate of earth. 
on earth you can take a $20 bill and you can walk into a foreign exchange currency and you might get X number of euros or X number of denarii or X numbers of pesos. But I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter how good the exchange currencies are down on earth. Ain't nothing as good as the exchange, if you will, of heaven and the exchange currency of heaven. How I can take absolutely nothing and exchange it for everything and Jesus will take my nothing and give me everything. You can't make that stuff up. That's a good exchange rate. Wouldn't everybody like to one day just wake up one morning and you got a million dollars in the bank and the person you's like, wait, wait, that's not my money. And you, you go through the bank and you, you, you ask and they say, well, no, so-and-so deposit in your account. And you call so-and-so and they say, you know what, I just decided I was just going to give you a million dollars. No strings attached. God bless you. Wouldn't you like that? If you don't, you're dumb. You know you would. Some of y'all like free buy one, get one. So don't tell me you wouldn't like it if somebody gave you a million dollars in the bank. Y'all fill out those Zaxby surveys just so the next time you don't have to pay for your wife's meal because you got to buy one, get one. That's what I do. Don't look at me like you're judging. I got one in my wallet right now. You ain't getting it, but I got it. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus literally said, you have nothing that you can earn this. But I tell you what I do because I love you. I'll take care of all the expenses. All you got to do is just say yes. All you got to do is humble yourself before him. Jesus didn't ask us to, the, the Bible is very clear. Jesus didn't ask us to give us a bunch of stuff to get it. There's only one requirement. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he did what he did and it's yours. It's that simple. You don't have to have given over $500,000 in tithes and offerings over your lifetime. There's no, there's no structural system where God says, okay, well now once you give $5,000 to world missions, you'll get a mansion. There's no, if you will, uh, uh, preconditions or strings attached that if, if you're not the highest tithe-payer in the church, then, then you're not going to be able to live on streets of gold. You're just going to kind of be on the fringes of heaven. That's not how it works. The reality of it is all of us have the right, rich, poor, Red, yellow, black, and white, we're precious in his sight. All we have to do is just say yes to what he's done. That's it. But the exchange is incredible. One of the things I've learned is there is a difference between harvest and inheritance. When you hear us talk in spiritual realms about the harvest, you're talking about somebody has to plant the crop. Somebody has to work the field. Somebody has to till the ground. Somebody has to make the effort. Somebody has to reap the benefits. God gets to harvest the souls, but harvest is tied to work and to efforts. But inheritance is not tied to works. It's tied to identity. I don't work. I don't have to work to receive the inheritance if I'm in the family. I'll give you an example. If I happen to have been born in the royal family of England, Queen Elizabeth, who just not too long back passed away and in the transfer of power went to her son, King Charles. King Charles did not have to work to become king. He did not have to fight to the death in a gladiator-style battle royale in the middle of the Colosseum and see if he was the last man standing to claim the throne. That's not how he got the throne. You know how he got the throne? Because who was the queen? His mama. That wasn't real hard, was it? Mama had the crown. I'm tied to mama. Nobody else had rights to the throne. Oh, they, 
the prime minister could have said, I want to be king. But you know what would have happened? He'd have never been king. You know why? Because he didn't have rights because he wasn't connected to mama. Queen. See, inheritance is tied to identity. Just like I said before, you can't walk into somebody else's house when they pass away and start cleaning out their stuff and say, that belongs to me. But their children can go in there and divide it up and there's no strings attached. Why? Because they are tied to the identity of the person who owns the house. Can I tell you, when we do our wills and testaments, we outline it. We say, you know, okay, in my, if I should pass and untimely decease, all my assets go to Brianna. Should something happen to her, all the assets go to Micah. Should we have any other children, all the assets go to them in this order and 25%, 25%, whatever, we outline it out. Why? So that Joe Blow doesn't walk in our house and say, that's mine. No, it's not because of your name's not on the will. But Jesus tells me that when I gave my heart to him, he wrote my name in what they call the Lamb's Book of Life. You know what he's doing? He's putting me in the will. So that when I go up to Simon Peter, who is the executor of the probate of the will, if you will, and the executor of the will, when I stand at the pearly gates and I walk up there and Simon Peter says, name please, and I say my name is Jonathan Vaughn, he starts going through the will. It might be 105,000 pages he goes, but he goes to the V section and he starts looking and he says, Jonathan uh, middle initial K, Vaughn, 377, Decatur Drive. Yeah, that's me. You know what? Good to see you, buddy. Yep, you're in the will. Come on in. You know how I got in? Because my name was on the will. My name was on the roll. It wasn't because I could buy it. It's because I'm tied to identity. The Bible said, "Who he that is a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. There's a new name written down in glory. Yes, it's mine. Yes, it's mine. How did I get it? Because Jesus transferred identity. I trade rags for riches. I trade filth for faith. I trade all of my hurts, habits, and hang-ups for holiness. I was able to give Jesus all my messed up life, and he gave me his perfected life. It had nothing to do with what I done. It had to do I was tied to the identity of the one who had it all. I become heirs and joint heirs, sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's tied to identity. It's not because of who I am. It's because of who he is. It's not because of what I've done. It's because of who I belong to. Everything in life comes with a price tag. Even free stuff has attachments. It costs somebody. If I came in next Sunday morning and I brought in a big platter of food and I set it up here and I said, this morning I, I have breakfast biscuits from Hardee's for everybody today. Just come and get one. No cost, no charge. It's free to you. But was it really free for everybody? No, because it wasn't free to me. It might have been free to you, but it cost me something to provide it for you. What we must remember is while heaven and salvation to gain access to heaven was free to us, it wasn't free for everybody. It cost Jesus a whole lot more than it cost you and me. It cost him his life for us to be able to just enjoy the fringe benefits of it. You see, it might be free to you. It might be free to me. It was not free for him. I don't think when you read through the gospel accounts and you really watch what took place and you study the historical context of what happens with the uh, Romans and how they did executions and how they did crucifix and how they do that or you watch a movie similar to the Passion of the Christ and you watch it. I don't think if you see that kind of stuff and you really study it out, you can say, oh, it didn't cost that much. 
Because it cost a whole lot more than most people would have been willing to pay. But yet he did it so you could have it for free. You could have it for free. You see, people have expectations. Someone once said this. You know what they say? Where there's a will, there's a family fighting for it. Think about that for a minute. We say, well, there's a will, there's a way. In reality, where there's a will, there's somebody fighting over it. That's what it is. That's why those Tupperwares and those meat forks are, are important. See, right now, something should untimely. Lord, I hope they don't happen anytime soon, but something should ever untimely happen to my parents. I have millions of dollars in old Tupperware, and I don't have brothers to argue over it with. Or sisters. I don't know what I'm going to do with all that Tupperware, but I, it's a good retirement plan on eBay if I have to use it, and I'll figure it out. I heard a quote one time, and it was kind of comical, but I think it applies to the level of responsibility being attached to Jesus. Don't expect to get a piece of the pie if you don't know who the baker was. That's, I thought that was comical. I like food, so it just kind of spoke to my heart. I think I was just hungry at the time, but it spoke to me in that moment. Everybody wants a piece of the pie, but they don't want to acknowledge the baker who provided the pie. Everybody wants the, the blessings of God. They just don't want to follow the principles line by line, precept upon precept of God. They don't, mind give, they don't mind God giving. They just don't want to give back to God in the response. They don't mind if God blesses them, press it down, shake it together, and run it over. They'll run all over the church shouting for that. But when you call them out and say, but God wants you to give something back to him, all of a sudden they don't like that part of the word. I'm not here to preach on tithes and offerings, but we certainly don't mind when God gives us the 90. We just have a hard time giving him the 10. We don't have a problem when God lets the refund check come in the mail from the taxes, but we don't want to give God back from the refunds of what we've gotten. We don't have a problem when we get the raise from the job because we've earned it, but we don't give it back to God who provided us the brain capacity to get the raise. We don't mind when somebody blesses us with a financial miracle. We just don't want to bless God, the author of the financial miracle. Hello? I know I'm not, I'm not preaching on, a, on, a, on a, uh, if you will, a capital campaign or a financial campaign. And I don't know, I, Sister Carol keeps all that. I couldn't tell you who pays and who doesn't pay in this church because I don't want to look at you differently. But I will tell you, and you hear this, Pastor, very carefully. If you do not give God your tithes and your offerings and 10%, you are in direct opposition to God's Word. You can be all the spiritual you want to, but you can't be no more spiritual than you are scriptural. And if you're holding back from God, you can't expect God to give you everything you you want because the Bible said minimal I'm supposed to give him 10% of what I have of my first fruits some folks they'll give God 1% half a percent 10% is just too much well, Pastor, I can't afford it well, how many Starbucks coffees do you drink a month Pastor, you don't know how much money it costs I don't know if I can give God 10% of of my paycheck but I guarantee you if that paycheck that 10% was a hundred dollars and I look at your Starbucks bill because you go to Starbucks three times a week and they're about six dollars a cup and I look at that I could probably come up with 75 of the hundred just by not drinking coffee at home hello see I'm just gonna be blunt with you this morning we do what we want because we want what we want Look, I, I've been married long enough to realize that my wants are not always what's important. If you've been married longer than one day, you've learned that too. 
Sometimes your wants aren't really that important. You can want all you want to. You can want with one hand. You can have all this other mess in the other hand, and you see which one fills up faster. Your wants aren't always going to come the way you want them. Oh, we want Jesus to bless us, but we don't want to return the favor to him. I read a story of a man by the name of Sam. Sam died, and he had $50,000 he left in his will just for his funeral. And per his will, it said he wanted all of that $50,000 to just be for funeral expenses. As the last attenders of the funeral left, Sam's wife, Rose, turned to one of her oldest friends, Sadie, and said, Well, I think Sam would be pleased with how today went. Sadie replied, I'm sure you're right, but I have a question. Tell me you really did not spend $50,000 on this service. She said, yes, I spent all of it. Sadie exclaimed, why? I mean, you could have done a really nice funeral, but you spent $50,000. Why? He's not going to know. She said, no, it was in his will. And everything had to be for his funeral. $50,000. All of it had to go to that. She said, so this is what I did. The funeral only cost me $6,500. I gave the pastor who did the service $500. There were food and drinks that I didn't feel like other people should have to, to deal with, so that was another $5,000. And the other $42,500 went for the memorial stone. Sadie quickly grabbed her heart and she said, Rose, you paid $42,000 for a memorial stone. Exactly how big is this stone? She said, well, it's seven and a half carats and I wear him on my hand every time I go out on town. See, the reality of it is sometimes we get what we want. Sometimes it's not always what Sam wanted an elaborate funeral. And Rose said, I'll give you one, but it's going home with me when I leave. We don't always get what we want. The reality of the fact is not only when we talk about inheritance, is there a requirement or responsibility, but you have to understand the Bible promises us that we have a reward that's awaiting us. The Bible tells us in verse 23 and 24, it says, If you worked for the Lord, you will receive the reward of an inheritance. That seems like a conflict based on everything I've just talked to you about. It seems like there's an inner turmoil. If reward is tied to identity, how is it that if I work, I can get a reward? But you said, Pastor, it's an inheritance. And you don't work for an inheritance. You just get an inheritance. So it's kind of a conflict. Well, not really. Because you have to understand what God's referring to. If you go all the way back to Joshua chapter 13, the Bible tells us that God gives the promise of an inheritance to all of the children of Israel. He tells Joshua, he says, all of these people are going to get land, they're going to get this. You're going to divide it amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. They're just all going to get other people's assets and land. They're going to be blessed. However, he says something different about the tribe of Levi, the tribe that Moses and Aaron came from. They didn't get the traditional inheritance of the passing of land that had been conquered. Joshua and them conquered the land that now belongs to Israel, and God said, now give it away to all the people. 
But in Joshua 13, it says, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. For the Lord their God shall be their inheritance, as he said he would be. They didn't get the traditional, you get this parcel of land. Their reward was, they got to work for Jesus. Their reward is, I'll provide for you if you work for me. You don't need houses and land. That's why I believe the promise is, if my God owns the fat cattle on a thousand hills, he'll never see the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. It doesn't mean that I won't sometimes have bread from Walmart, but he'll send DoorDash to my house and drop off Walmart bread if I need it. I may not have everything I need, but he's got everything that I need. And if I work for him, he'll take care of me down here. There's a reward. You see, we are all to, all of us search for material things, earthly gain. But Mark, Mark chapter 8 says this, What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world, but he loses his own soul in the process? He becomes a multimillionaire, a billionaire, has houses, lands, apartment complexes, cars galore, but he dies and go to hell. What did it do for him? Nothing. Nothing. Because he put all of his rewards on things of this earth. But Jesus said, then those same disciples, he said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth can destroy and thieves break in and steal or rust destroy because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. I don't care. 377 Decatur is a beautiful home for my wife and I. And I hope one day to be able to leave that or wherever I'm living to my future children and to Micah for them to decide what to do. But I'm telling you, when I die, I don't care if the house burns down. I don't care what they do with my suit. I don't care if they wreck the car the next day I don't care if they pay the insurance on the car because my pilot doesn't matter my suits doesn't matter my ring wedding ring doesn't matter my cufflinks don't matter my money in the bank doesn't matter because when I leave this this temple this body of clay and death uses a temporary vehicle to teleport me to glory my car doesn't matter because I'll be able to fly where I want to go to next time I won't need gas to get me around I won't have to worry about a light bill for the Lamb of God will be the light in that city. I don't have to worry about potholes to tear up my tires. I'm walking on streets of gold and I've got not white picket fence. I've got gates of pearl and jasper walls. I'm going to a place where my reward is better than it is down here. I'm not storing it up down here. Yes, I hope to leave something for my children. But at the end of the day, my goal is to leave something way better over there. And the greatest inheritance I can leave my children is a road map to find me when I get there. Hey, follow this direction. The best thing I can give Micah and the future children that Brianna and I have, the best thing is for them to find those old Bibles, find those old sermon manuscripts and, and say, hey, Daddy, how do I get there? And they start reading, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If any man come to the Father, he must come by me. Oh, my Daddy knew that guy. My best inheritance is to show them how to get over there the best thing I can leave them so what are the things we get well we've got forgiveness salvation peace grace and mercy eternal life heavenly treasures wisdom the Spirit of God all of those things I just mentioned were given to us as rewards for what we do for God I remember remembered a story one time I read and I went back and found it a man had had a heart attack and was rushed to the hospital. And he could have very little company 
due to them not wanting him to get too excited and cause his body not to rest. While in the hospital, his rich uncle had died and left him a million dollars. His family were wondering how they would break the news to him because they didn't want to overly excite him in his condition with his health. They thought about it and they decided that probably the best thing to do was to send the preacher in. So they called his pastor and they said, hey, I want you to go in there. I want you to break the news and tell him he is now a millionaire. You tell him we don't want to get him worked up because we don't want him to die. We don't want him to get, you know, have health complications. So we feel like you could, you could do it the best way, not cause any, any waves. Break it to him quietly. So the preacher reluctantly agreed. So he gradually went, went into the room and he gradually started just a conversation and he was kind of working up to get to it and as they were getting ready to wrap up the conversation, the preacher thought he had come up with a great way to break the news. And he wanted this man to know about his reward. So the preacher said to him, he said, Hey, Joe, if you were left a million dollars, what would you do with it? Joe kind of furrowed his brow and looked for a minute. He said, Well, Rev, I'd think I'd give half of it to the church. Immediately, the bed alarms started going off, and code lights were going everywhere. They rushed in thinking that the news had broke, that Joe had been told and he had died. In fact, though, to their surprise, it wasn't Joe that died, but the preacher dropped dead from excitement for getting $500,000 for the church. See, rewards are different. For some of you, you'll leave your family a bigger reward than others in this church will leave in terms of physical, materialistic value. For every man, woman, boy, or girl in this house today, we all can leave our children, our grandchildren, and those that follow us a reward and of an inheritance that there's no price tag you can put on it. We can leave them the best we have to offer. Doesn't matter how nice your car is or how nice your house is, you're leaving them. If you leave them Jesus, you're leaving them a whole lot better off than you, than you have been here. Everyone's going to receive their rewards. The Bible said everyone will receive their just rewards. When they mean, when the Bible means their just rewards, it doesn't mean that all of the rewards are going to be just in terms of everybody's going to get good ones. What it means is everybody's going to be accountable and receive the rewards of what they've stored up. You cannot go to the bank and make a, make a withdrawal from an account you've never put a deposit in. So you can't expect to go to heaven and be able to get the access of heaven if you've never put anything invested into the kingdom. That's not how it works. Some will receive more rewards than others. The Bible clear, clearly states that. Crowns of righteousness, the crown of life. There'll be, there'll be people that will have more rewards, martyrs, the people that died for their faith will have more rewards given to them than the men and women who squeak by and get in by the skin of their teeth. Now, I'm not telling you that if you only get in by the skin of your teeth that that's not good enough. No, you, you want to just get in. But why just barely get in when you can go in and you can be standing in line and you're going to be getting going in very well? Why just, why just get it barely in the gates and God say, good job, it was a close call, but you made it? Versus why would you not want to go and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Therefore, I make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Why do you want to barely make it when you can go in thriving that you made it to that place? But all of that is contingent on the responsibility and the requirement. But finally, there's another aspect to this. There's coming a day 
We're going to have to know the return rate. In finance and business, one of the biggest things they always ask is what is the return on the investment ratio? What is the return rate? If we do this, how does it benefit us? Businesses do it all the time. Well, if we invest in this company, do we see that there's positivity to this? Is this going to be a company that just falls apart in six months from now? Is this going to be something that we invest in that it's going to, it's going to have a high return rate? If I put all this money in this CD at this percentage, what's the return I'm going to get? If I, if I give you $5,000 and lock it up for three, three years in a CD, what's the, what's the interest rate? We want to know. What we're asking is, what is the return? What is the return rate to me? If I give you my money, what, is, what am I going to benefit by you having it tied up for this amount of time? The return. Financial institutions do the same thing. They ask, what is this return rate ratio? When we leave this life, we will leave behind a legacy for people to follow, whether it's a good one or whether it's a bad one. People will know and observe our lives, and they will decide how to live their lives, good or bad, based on how we lived our lives before them. Paul tells the church at Colossae, he who does wrong, Colossians 3.25, he who does wrong, they will be repaid, or it will be returned to them, for all they have done, for there is no partiality or favoritism with God. Even the un unbelievers is going to get their just reward but their reward will not be heaven it will be eternal separation from God yeah we may gain some of the blessings I mentioned above but we will also in this life have trouble Jesus said but take heart I've overcome the world Jesus also said you might inherit a family business but you also live in a hostile world we have to still carry on the work of Jesus until we're called home to headquarters we cannot shirk our responsibilities. We are not to live in fear. The glory awaiting for us far outweighs any struggle we go through down here. How we treat the servant at the restaurant or the waitress or waiter. How we treat the customer or the customer service representative at Walmart or the cashier at McDonald's can speak of the type of heritage we're laying up for ourselves over there. Because all mankind was fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Christ, even if they don't realize that how we do our day-to-day -day operations down here has a direct correlation to the return rate of what we're going to get over there. One day, we will all have to give our own return of investment report before the greatest CEO and CFO of all time, God the Father. How do I know this? Based on the presentation of facts, our inheritance quotient will be determined. How do I know this? Because Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There was a man that was getting ready to leave, and he gave a servant five talents. He gave a servant three talents. He gave a servant one. They all had different levels, but he left them with charge of his assets. While he was gone, the man with five went out, and he invested it. The man with three invested it the man with one said you know I know my master he's a prudent man he's a shrewd man he don't like to take risks etc you know what I'm just gonna put it in a shoebox under my bed and when he gets back the same dollar he gave me will be the same dollar he gets back a couple months down the road the master returns the man who had had five had made ten the master said well done good job the man who had three he had Took it up. Jesus, master of the house, good job. Came time for the man who only had gotten the one talent, the one small thing. 
so prideful, he walks in the room beaming, thinking he's going to get told the same thing because he didn't lose nothing. He didn't gain nothing, but he didn't lose it either. He walks into the room, and master says, "What is? tell me about yours. And he says, well, you gave me one. I'm returning one. We broke even. We didn't make nothing. We didn't lose nothing. We broke even. He stands there waiting to hear, well done. What he ended up hearing was, you wicked servant. You know I planted in vineyards, invested in soils that were not my own. You knew I took risks. You knew what I did. And he took the talent from that man and gave it to the one who had made ten. And the Bible uses the description of he threw him out with the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Basically, he threw him out to be devoured by the things of this world. What I'm telling you is, Jesus' inheritance has to do with return. The way you treat people down here is going to determine what you get over there. How you do business down here in your business will determine the kind of business you get over there. The way you live your life down here has, has a direct return rate uh, quotient and, and an inheritance quotient to what happens over there. What you're doing now is not just, well, one day, one day. It's actually making a record. It's got a ledger line, if you will, in heaven right now on your life. You're writing your own ledger in heaven. The return rate. Jesus' return rate, Miss Carol, as you come, Jesus' return rate was already given. I trade my nothing for his everything. That's a good return. But in the same return, the Bible tells me that how I treat my fellow man, I should treat them as if I'm treating them to God. So whatever you do, you do it heartily. Unto the Lord, not unto man, knowing that it is the Lord who will reward you. The reality of it is this. Jesus was standing there one day with his disciples. And he said, he was telling them this story. He said, you know, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I had no clothes, you didn't offer me a garment. When I was in prison, you didn't come and visit me. And those, if you will, I call them the outskirts Christians. They were kind of loosely connected to Jesus, but not really connected to Jesus. Some of those Pharisees and other religious leaders said, Jesus, when did we see you hungry and didn't feed you, Lord? When did we see you with no clothes and not offer you, Jesus? We've never seen you walk around here with no clothes. When did, when did you ever go to prison and we didn't visit you, Lord? Jesus said, you've not done it to the least of these, my brethren. You haven't done it for me because if you do it to the least of these, you help the poor and the disenfranchised, you do not despise the widows and the orphans for pure and undefiled religion before God is to take care of them. If you see someone in need and you help them, you did it not for them. You did it for me. If you give them that garment, you gave them that coat because they didn't have one, you didn't just help them stay warm by giving them a coat. You gave me a coat. When you fed them because they couldn't afford to go out to eat and you took them to lunch just because you wanted to be a blessing, you didn't just feed them Zaxby's. You fed me. When their life was falling apart and they were prisoners in their own mind, prisoners in their own heart, prisoners in their own emotions, when you were there with them in the darkest moments, you weren't there with them. 
you are there with me. I conclude with this. There was a story of a man who was dying. Years earlier, he had lost his son. His son had died serving his country. The old man didn't have anybody to leave his estate to. He had one best friend. So he decided he would do something charitable. He would have all of his assets auctioned off. And he would basically, whoever bought them, it would be there. So if anybody wanted to come, they could bid on the stuff. It would be there. Just give it away. The old man died. So they brought in a professional auctioneer to come in. The auctioneer began to read. And she said, the first item up for bid is a, is a picture. And they brought out this picture of the soldier dressed in a uniform. It was an oil painting. It wasn't very good painting. It wasn't very pretty, but a painting nonetheless. Everybody then began to say, no, no, no. We know this man has lots of, <coughs> excuse me, hundreds of thousands of dollars of good paintings. This man was filthy rich. He's got paintings that are worth thousands of dollars. Get to the good stuff. Just We'll come to that later. We came to see the, the, the thousand dollar stuff. Give us the good stuff. And the auctioneer says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry, but it was left under the instructions of the man who passed away that this painting had to be sold first. Before anything else, this painting had to be the one to go. We don't care what they said. Well, then we cannot go forward until somebody buys this painting. The room got quiet. Everyone's looking around. I'm not buying it. It's a picture of some soldier. Finally, the auctioneer said, it's actually a picture of the man's son when he was in battle. It had this painting made to remember his son who had died in battle. Everybody's like, who cares? We don't know his son. Give him, just move on. Finally, that one best friend in his mid-80s, he said, I don't have much. I've been pretty much poor all my life. He said, I have five bucks. I used to watch that little boy when I was his dad and I were best friends and I, I played catch with him I was his neighbor for many years I, I remember him as a, as a wee tie nobody else objects I mean I can't afford much but I got five dollars if, if, if you would let, let me have it I'll, I'll give you my, my five dollars that's all I got my, that I can afford you give, I'll give you the five dollars if I can have the painting because I know the son I grew up with him, I knew him I was friends with his father, I, I know him that's part of my family the auctioneer said, $5 going once, $5 twice, sold to the older gentleman. Everybody applauds, yay. He comes up, he collects the painting, and he walks off. The auctioneer, all right, says, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for coming. I really appreciate you coming today for the estate of the auction, and uh, we hope you guys have a wonderful day, and, and we look forward to seeing you again. And he bangs the gap. Everybody erupts. What are you talking about? There's thousands of dollars of paintings in this house. Well, how can you just stop it? The auctioneer pulled out the will of the old man and he began to read. Make sure the painting of my son gets to be the first item up for bid. For whoever is willing to accept my son gets everything I own. The man who literally had $5 became a multi-millionaire because he accepted reality of it is we can't afford heaven 
But all God is saying as that auctioneer, if you will accept my son, you can have it all. You don't have to love him. If you just accept my son, you get it all. Friend, I'm not, I don't care if you're a multimillionaire. I don't care what you have physically on this life. I don't care if you have $5 or $5 million in the bank. If you will accept Jesus, you get it all. That's a great return. So my question today to us today is, are we willing to accept the Son? Oh, I know the cross of Calvary is not pretty just like that. That old man's son's painting was not the prettiest picture. Calvary was not a pretty picture, church. It's not something you want to show your kids before they go to bed. It wasn't a pretty place. But if you'll accept it, you get it all. If you look past the scars and the open flesh and the exposed tissue and the blood, if you look past the gore of Calvary, you get the glory of heaven. If you look past the crucifixion, you get crowns of righteousness. But you've got to accept the Son. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder if there is someone in this house today that says, Pastor, I want to make sure that I accept Jesus Christ today. I need to make sure I'm okay. Me and Jesus need to get this thing right. So anybody here today, you just no one looking around but me and Jesus, you just say, I want to make sure I'm good with God. You just lift your hand up wherever you are. And I see that hand. God bless you. You don't want to miss out on the inheritance. All you got to do is accept the Son. My second and final question, and then I'm going to send you home to eat. My question to you today is, is there someone here today that says, Pastor, I'm still saved. I still know Jesus. But I'm not where I would like to be in my journey of faith. I want to be closer to Him than I was before. I love Him. I've accepted Him, but I'm, I'm not near as far along that I'd like to be. I, I want to be closer to Him now more than I've ever been before. I just want to be close to Him. If you're in this house and you say, Pastor, will you pray for me today that I will draw closer to God than I've ever been in my life before? Will you just lift your hand up where, wherever you are? I see your hands. God bless you. 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 For the people that raise their hand wanting to make sure they're right with Jesus and the people that raise their hands saying they want to draw closer to God, the answer to that question, those questions are one and the same. All you have to do is accept the Son. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have your world perfect. You don't have to have the marriage perfect. You don't have to have the children perfect. You don't have to have the bank account perfect. In fact, you don't even have to have your life figured out. You just have to accept the Son and everything else works out. All you have to do is accept Jesus. I'm going to ask us to together to pray this prayer together, and then I'll pray for the second part. But for those that raise their hand about wanting to make sure they're right with God, I don't want them to pray the prayer alone. I want them to pray with the body of Christ together so they're not ostracized or left alone. We are a family. So I'm going to ask you just to repeat these words, simple words after me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Today I commit my life to you by accepting what you did on Calvary. I believe you died, were buried, resurrected, and are now at the 
hand of God making intercession for me. Come into my heart. Be Lord and Savior of my life. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you prayed that prayer, you and Jesus are okay today. Now the second group, my prayer, I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me. I'm going to pray over you, but I want you to pray along with me. I'm going to pray that somehow this week, this month, this year, somewhere, God invades your personal space. Such a powerful way that you cannot help but realize that was a God moment for your life. And that you could say beyond a shadow of a doubt, oh, I remember the day he walked into the room. I remember when I accepted the Son, and I have never regretted it since. Eternal Father, you saw the many hands, not just one, not just two, but countless hands in this house that said, I want to draw close to you, Lord. Your word was very clear. Draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto us. That is your word, and we know your word. The promises of your word do not pass away. Not one dot, not one tittle of your word will fade. Because we know at the end of the day, you are a God that is, that is not a liar. You said you are not a man that you should lie. So God, if your word tells us that you will draw nigh unto us, we come unto you. Every hand that raised was raised today, you saw them take a step of faith and make a covenant confession to you that they want to draw close to you. So I'm asking you now to do the same and draw nigh unto them. Make yourself so relevant, so life experiential. Let, let your presence come and invade their world and the, the crevices of their lives so they can have a monumental spiritual encounter with you. And they know beyond a shadow of a doubt They've accepted the Son in the full ramifications that entails. Let them leave this place encouraged. Let them leave this place happy in the Lord. Joy of the Lord be their strength. God, let them see the hand of God work on their behalf, the favor of God over their life. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you. Let this be our cry, amen, so be it. Amen. Lord, that's our prayer. Amen. Amen. Lord, everything we prayed, we commit it to you. put our church proclamation on the screens. Let's say this together. Let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and redeemer. You stand all over the house and remaining in the spirit of prayer, I'm going to ask Brother Mike King's going to close us out this morning in prayer. I would ask that you come back tonight at 6 p.m. for worship. If you can't make it back tonight at 6 come back Wednesday night for Bible study if you can't make back Wednesday night Bible study don't forget senior breakfast on Saturday 8.30 at uh, Hardy's snack night next Sunday night right after church just bring fingered food type stuff we'll fellowship together and uh, have a wonderful time in the Lord but hopefully we'll see you tonight at 6 Brother Mike's going to pray immediately following you're dismissed God bless you today